0: So the last couple of weeks, I've been doing a good bit of work for my Doctor of Ministry program. I have a residency coming up in January, so I'll be gone for a couple of weeks then. So I've been writing some papers, reading some books and whatnot. And sort of the, the central theme uh, for for the books, for the papers, for really this residency in particular this year is that of evangelism. So certainly for the last couple of weeks, even for, for more than that, but in a particularly strong way, the last couple of weeks, evangelism's just been sort of on my mind, on my heart. I've been thinking about it and just sort of feeling like, man, I, I, I got to preach this. I got I to gotta talk about this with the church, got to share this, just sort of the Holy Spirit's leading. And he's sort of put that on my heart that, hey, this is something that I need to preach on, share with the church. And, and when the Holy Spirit says, go and, and do it, you say, all right, will do, amen. Uh, so we're gonna be talking about evangelism. I sort of mentioned that a little bit up, up front already. Uh, But so that's what our focus is going to be, sharing our faith, sharing the the gospel. And and I want to start by reading the Great Commission. So we're going to turn there. This is Matthew chapter 28, certainly well-known, verses 18 through 20. And let me read it for us. It says... Then Jesus came to them, and them would be the disciples. So this is particularly the disciples that he's speaking to, giving this great commission to. But but don't think that sort of this is just for them, and then they do it, and then it's done, and we don't have to worry about it. Certainly, while it's given directly to them, the, the, the sense of it is that really all Christians are invited into this wondrous work, this great commission, and are given this commandment by the Lord. And so here we see this wonderful, great commission, this commandment that's given to the disciples, as I talked about, certainly given to us as well. All followers of the Lord Jesus are given this command, this commissioning. And what is it? It's to go and make disciples, right? And as we think of this this making of disciples, certainly there's an evangelistic side, but there is indeed also a discipleship side as well, sort of thinking of those two things that often in the church we might sort of hold separately. Well, there's the evangelism. You go out, you share the gospel with others, you you bear witness to Christ and reach people for the kingdom. Hopefully they respond in repentance and faith. And then you sort of think of, oh, and then there's that other thing, discipleship, where, well, we need to help people to mature in the faith. Here they're sort of lumped together in this make disciples right they naturally go hand in hand and the picture here is make mature disciples that, that's the picture here and so it involves the evangelistic side of things and we see that in the baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit that certainly captures that evangelistic side if you got to go out and you you got to reach people where they are in the world those who are lost who don't know about christ go out into the world go out among the nations and proclaim the gospel right? And some, of course, will respond with repentance and faith, turn toward the Lord. And then what are you to do? Of course, you're to baptize them. They're to be baptized. But then we also see the discipleship side of things, right? It goes on and says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age, right? So there's that teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So there is also that discipleship side. It's not just, we'll go and win converts to Christ and then just sort of like Let them stay as immature believers and never really teach them any more about the faith and how they're to live and, and obey the Lord. No, the picture is make mature disciples, and that involves the evangelistic side, but also the discipleship side. Now, for today's sermon, certainly we've talked about discipleship at other times. We've also talked about evangelism at other times. But for today's sermon, I really want to focus on the evangelistic side. So we'll sort of put the discipleship on the shelf that can be talked about at another time, right? It's sort of too much to talk about all at once, so we're going to focus on evangelism. And I want to start by sort of being fair and giving an analysis of evangelism in the American church, sort of where do we stand as the American church? And I'd say New Hope Chapel is probably pretty, pretty even with the average American church in regard to evangelism, so sort of readily applies to us. And I'd say sort of the, the lay of the landscape in regard to evangelism and faithfulness or lack thereof uh, to this command, this great commission to go out and, and reach people with the gospel and make disciples of all nations. I'd say if we're honest, the American church uh, certainly holds this up as something that is important, the evangelical church in America. We'd say this is very important. Uh, this is something that needs to be done. We'd sort of hold it as this aspirational value. We know we need to do it. We know how important it is. But then when it comes to sort of the practical side of, well, do we do it, though? I'd say, again, in a sort of widespread way, it doesn't mean it incorporates everyone. But for the most part, most people, most people in the American church sort of don't really do it. That's just sort of the overwhelming majority. That's not to say everyone. There are certainly those who, who make evangelism a priority, and they're out there, whether you know, amongst their families who may not know about the Lord, or friends, or co-workers in their neighborhoods. They're just sort of witnessing to people at every opportunity. There are those who do that, right? But sort of in a general way, what characterizes most American Christians is this attitude of, I know it's important, I know I should do it, but it's just, I don't want to do it myself, and practically most really don't do it. And there are a lot of reasons for that, whether it's just sort of buying into the cultural mindset of, you know, whatever you believe on your own, in your own home, that's fine. Believe what you want, but but don't bring that out into the workplace, the public sphere. When, when you're sort of out in public, you keep that to yourself. Keep it private. Don't sort of throw your faith in my face. And so we sort of buy into that. I think for a lot of people, there can be sort of a sense of fear over sharing the gospel with others, kind of that mindset of, how are they going to respond? Are they is this just going to, if I try to share with this person, are they going to like snap and just sort of go off on me and yell and rant and rave? Uh, maybe it's a feeling of like, I, you know, I know the gospel message, but I don't really know how to share it. I'm not, I don't have a way with words. I'm not the most eloquent person. Surely there's someone better than I to go and do this and witness to others. Or what if they have a question and, and maybe I don't have... The, you know the right answer i won't be able to answer it on the spot often i think there's there's all those hesitations about i'm just not ready i'm not skilled enough uh, sort of i don't have the right methods or means to how do i steer a conversation toward You know, from whatever it is, sports or the weather to suddenly talking about spiritual things in Christ and the gospel and sort of feeling like I don't have the right methods. I don't have the right skill. I'm not well equipped. And again, you could go on and on the long list of, you know, things why why we don't share our faith, why we don't share the gospel. But for a great number of American believers, right, we let things get in the way. We let those obstacles get in the way. And even though we hold this up as something important, we don't actually wind up going and doing it. And what I want for us is then to think about that and say sort of, how do we solve that problem? We want to correct that problem. And again, to be fair about New Hope Chapel, I'd say that probably reasonably characterizes us as well. It's not like that's the average American church, but we're so different. I'd say we're in rather the same place if I think all of us would hold this up as something important. Say, we need to do it. It's important. There are lost people out there. We want to share the gospel. We want to reach them with this wondrous message about Christ that changes everything. But again, then practically... I think all those same obstacles come up. I'm not the best at, at, at communicating these things. I'm not skillful. Maybe we're a little fearful. We don't want to risk a relationship, whatever it might be, and we wind up not doing it. And again, we, we need to correct that. We got to say, no, we know that this is important. We've been given this command. It's not just for the 12 disciples, or at this point, 11 minus Judas, you know. Uh, it's for all of us. We're all given this great command. We're all given this great commission, and we need to faithfully live it out. And where we're going to go with this, and what I want to be sort of our our central thrust and takeaway, is that we just need to get out there and do it, right? We, We so easily make all those excuses. I think often our mindset is sort of, Once I reach the point of feeling like I I, I can do this, I I can do it in a skillful way, I have all sorts of skill in in sharing my faith. I feel like I can communicate the gospel. Well, I've sort of thought through all sorts of methodology of how will I approach them? How will I share it and so forth? Once we feel our our attitude, sort of once I feel like I have it down and I feel comfortable and, and sort of that puts my fear at bay, then I'll be ready to go out and start sharing the gospel. But the reality is you're never going to reach that point if you don't get out and start doing it and sharing. We're sort of waiting for ourselves to become experts in evangelism and saying, you know, I've never really tried it. I'm not that great at it, so I'm not going to go out and try it. Once I become an expert, I'll read books, I'll, I'll listen to sermons, and hopefully then I'll become some expert, and then I'll go out and I'll start doing it. But the reality is the way you're going to learn, the way you're going to become all the more skillful in evangelism, you'll sort of learn better methods for how to maybe approach certain topics. How do you approach someone who, who, you know, whatever conversation you might be having, how do you sort of then take that and bring that to spiritual things or wherever someone stands in their walk with the Lord, maybe your approach might be different depending upon that, but all sorts of different methods and how to connect with people, right? You're going to learn all of that by doing, by practicing, by getting out and actually doing it, rather than saying, if I just sit on the sidelines and I read every book and I, I watch videos and you know I, I listen to sermons, then once I become skillful enough, then I'll be ready to go out and do it. And it just doesn't work that way. I mean, just sort of to use sort of a, a sports parallel and metaphor, it would be like me saying, oh, you know, I love hockey and I'd love to be this professional athlete and play in the NHL. And the way I'm going to become great is by never getting off the bench and getting out on the ice and actually doing it. But I'm just going to I'm going to read as much as I can about how you skate. And how to stick handle and how to have the perfect slap shot or wrist shot or backhand, how to stick handle. And I'm going to read about it. I'll watch video from the NHL and I'll study it. And then once I think I'm perfect and I'm sort of professional level, then I'll step out onto the ice and I'll start doing it. And surely I'll be great. I'll be an expert. And of course, that sounds like foolishness. You're never going to learn it. You're never going to be good doing it that way. You can learn little bits from books and so forth. But ultimately, the way you really learn and become skillful and get better is by going out and actually doing it. You got to get out on the ice, start practicing, start playing, and you'll, you'll grow and improve as you, as you do that. And that doesn't just go for sports or whatever else it is. It goes for evangelism as well. You can't sort of become an expert in it and the best in the world just by studying it. You need to get out there. And just start doing it. And as you start doing it, then you'll get better. You'll get more comfortable. You'll sort of learn different methods of how to approach different people and the best way to do it. right? And so ultimately, where I want us to go is to to just say, we just got to get out there and do it. We've been commanded to reach people with the gospel message, to go and make disciples of all nations. We've been commanded to bear witness to Christ everywhere we go, wherever we are, with our families, friends. Our neighbors are in school or coworkers in the workplace or while we're just out and about at a mall or a grocery store, whatever it might be in our communities. We're called to bear witness to Christ, and we can't let all of those obstacles get in the way. We just to say, even if I may not be the best, even if I feel ill-equipped, I know the gospel message. That means I'm equipped to go and tell others about it, and we need to just get out there and start doing it. And as I sort of think about this and how we just got to get out there and, and start doing it, and so often we let all of those things become obstacles. Oh, I'm not the expert. I'm not ready to do it yet. It, it makes me think I'll continue with sort of the, the sports metaphor. It's not like sports is on my mind, but I think for this, this sermon, it sort of relates. And I'll use a quote from Wayne Gretzky. Maybe you've heard it. Uh, we're in Boston. I'll say that, that you know while Wayne Gretzky is often thought of as the greatest, I think Bobby Orr was a little bit more revolutionary in how he changed the game, maybe the best of all time, but that's beside the point. Nonetheless, Gretzky, great hockey player. Here's what he said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yes, that's certainly true for hockey. If you don't even shoot the puck, it's not going to go in the net, right? You're going to miss without fail, you you know, you're not going to get it in the net if you never take the shot. It's true for hockey, it's true for all sorts of things in life, and it's true for evangelism, right? Often we're sitting on the bench or on the sidelines and we're thinking, you know, again, as I said, once I, once I feel comfortable, once I feel like I'm an expert, I've got it together, then I'll get out there, I'll start doing it. And the, the reality is if we're sitting on the sidelines, we're never gonna reach that point. We're never gonna start sharing. And if we're not sharing with anyone, if we're just sitting on the sidelines on the bench doing nothing, it's a guarantee we're going to reach nobody, right? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. You don't share with anyone you're not going to reach anyone that is a guarantee whereas even if you feel like maybe i'm not the most skillful evangelist i'm not like billy graham i'm not like paul the apostle nonetheless if you're out there and you're at least sort of swinging the bat again more sports metaphors you're at least taking your shots you're at least out there telling people about jesus doesn't mean every time you're going to reach someone with the gospel and they're going to say, yes, I believe and I give my life to the Lord. But if you're out there sharing, even if you're not the greatest, even if you're not the biggest expert on evangelism, eventually you're going to reach some people. If you're out there sharing, God will work through it eventually and reach some people. But if you're doing nothing, if you're sharing with nobody, again, 100% chance, guarantee you're not going to reach anyone And I want to share another story. This is in one of the books I was reading, a story about D.L. Moody, and it sort of hammers home some of what we're we're talking about. So I'll use this story about D.L. Moody. Um, Someone came up to him at at one point. He had had some, you know, evangelistic rally or whatnot, and um, someone came up to him and and said, you know, hey, Moody, I, I don't really like your evangelistic methods. And Moody responded by saying, you know, I'm not that thrilled with my methods either, my approach. You know, it's not like I'm just so taken by them and they're, you know, I have the perfect methods and nobody's methods are better than mine for how I want to reach people with the gospel. So he said, yeah, okay, my methods may not be the greatest. Well, what are your methods? And the guy's response was, well, I don't have any methods. Basically, I don't share the gospel with anyone. And Moody's response was, well... I like my way of doing it, my methods, better than your way of doing nothing and telling no one about Christ. Sort of like, my method may not be perfect. Maybe I I haven't fully arrived. Even someone like Moody, who's a great evangelist, yeah, my methods aren't perfect. I could improve. I could be better. That's fine. But at least I'm out there telling people your your approach is to say, you know, hey, uh, I'm not going to do anything until I've reached the perfect method. I'll sit around criticizing people like Moody or whoever. This is sort of this guy's response. And, And until I reach the perfect methodology, and I'm an expert in it and and everything's perfect, then finally, maybe I'll go out and start talking to people about Jesus. And Moody's response is, you just got to get out there. Even if, hey, my method's not perfect, I got to get out there and I just got to start telling people about Jesus. And again, the more you do that, the more you're going to improve, the more skillful you're going to become uh, in doing that. And as I think about evangelism as, as followers of, of Christ that we're called to, to reach out with the truth of the gospel, one of the things that I think of is that the reality is, is, is sharing our faith ought to come naturally to us. All too often, I think it, it really doesn't come naturally to us. That's why you look at the American church and sort of, in a general way, most Christians don't really share their faith with anyone, right? But it ought to come naturally. And as I think about this, I want to read for us a passage that really relates to this topic. I think of... Uh, Matthew chapter 12 and the second half of verse 34. I'll read it for us. You can turn there if you want or just listen to me here. Jesus says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right. Basically, whatever fills your heart, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. You could say that for actions too. sort of ultimately whatever's on the inside. That's what's going to come out. And so as Christians, we ought to be just filled with such a wonder over Christ and what he has done for us, how how God the Son, he came to this earth, he became one of us, He, he went to a cross, and there he took our place, our sin, he paid for it in full, the punishment that should fall on me, it falls on him, and if I just turn toward him in repentant faith, I'm forgiven and saved and have everlasting life. We should just be in awe of that wondrous truth, that wondrous message. We should be so captivated by it that it's like, we can't keep that inside. That's got to come out. We should just be so in awe of Christ and what he's done for us that that we just got to tell everybody. There's just this wondrous, glorious news that has changed everything for me. It can change everything for you. How can we keep that to ourselves? It should just be bubbling up and overflowing out of us, and we should be telling everyone about it. And the truth is, I think you even see that with, with young kids. I can think of plenty of, of stories, and in particular, what sort of comes to mind for me uh, is, is that of, of James. I'll use him here as a, a wonderful example. I remember one time where a new kid had moved into the neighborhood on Robin Road, just a few houses down. they just moved in. Um, I think we were actually away when they moved in. It was in March, and we were visiting my parents, and then we came back. And it's like, oh, there's someone new at the bus stop you know and so we wound up meeting this new family and and they had two kids uh, one of them's about Rachel's age a girl who's Rachel's age and then a son who's in James's grade same age not the same class but so then they're getting off the bus together and, and you know to walk to their house they wound up going by our house so we wound up walking back or chatting uh, the kids wind up staying over, and James is, is just playing, and, and Peter as well, they're just playing with, with this kid who's, who's James's age, and he just winds up starting talking to this kid and saying, oh, do you, do you believe in Jesus? You know, and, and start telling him about Jesus and the gospel, and this is just something that's important to him. Jesus is at the center of his life. This is a priority for him. He loves Jesus. He loves what Jesus has done for him, and What fills the heart? That just comes out. That's just the way kids are, right? They they don't sort of have that same filter where we think of you know how, in a sense, the culture has sort of poisoned us, and we think we can't share those things with other people because what if they might be offended? And we don't want to rock the boat, and maybe they don't want to hear it. He's just a kid, and it's like, man, this this is awesome news, and I know it, and maybe you don't. So let me tell you about it. Right? And, and that does come naturally, but we've sort of bought into that, that cultural lie of like, no, you gotta, you got to stuff that down, keep it inside, don't tell anyone, keep it to yourself. Uh, and, and so we wind up doing that, but it ought to come out of us naturally. It shouldn't be something that we sort of have to force out of ourselves somehow. It should be we're just welling up with so much joy over this wondrous thing, Christ, and what he's done for us that it's like, I can't contain it. I can't keep that to myself. I've got to tell everyone. I just got to go out there and shout it from the rooftops and tell everyone I bump into all about Christ and what He's done because it changes everything, and it's so wondrous, right? And, and as I think about it, to, to even use other examples to illustrate that, it's sort of like, you know, maybe you think of well, you're a big sports fan. Again, we'll continue with the whole sports thing if you're into sports, and, and maybe think, oh, you're just a huge Pats fan. I know we have some big Pats fans here, so it makes for a good e- example. You know, if, if in your heart is just this love for, for this sports team, you love the Patriots, you think they're just the greatest, I know they're maybe not quite what they used to be, but you know, even if you want to like rewind to Tom Brady years or whatnot, think, man, they're just the best, and he's the best quarterback, and they're so amazing. Do you have a hard time going out and talking to your friends about the Patriots that you love and you think are so wonderful? Most people don't seem to have a hard time, because again, that's just something that's On the inside, in their heart, they love the sports team, they love football, they love the home team, and they just want to talk about it. It just naturally comes out. Or you think of grandparents and they're just like smitten with their grandkids. And I think, oh, my grandkids, they're the best. They're the cutest. Like nobody's got grandkids like my grandkids. Again, it's not like you have to like really work hard to, to tell someone else about your grandkids. No, it just naturally overflows. It's like you're just, you have so much pride in your grandkids. They're great. They're wonderful. And you have no problem telling anyone and everyone about them. It should be the same way with the gospel. What, what fills our hearts, there should be this, this great love for Christ and just a sense of wonder about what he's done for us and it should naturally come out, just as other things that fill our hearts naturally have a way of working their way out, and we wind up speaking about them. But I want to speak a little bit more here uh, to, to evangelism, and I want to speak to a little bit, I don't want to go too deep in regard to methodology. Again, I want to kind of stick mostly with let's just stick with the basics, and we just got to get out there and just start telling people. Not get hung up about all the little details, and maybe I'm not ready for it, and how do I do it, and so forth. There's a place for talking all about that, but sort of bottom line, of what I want our big picture here to be, is we've just got to do it. We've been commanded to do it, we know the gospel message, and we just got to take it everywhere we go and tell people. But I wanted to t- touch just a little bit sort of upon methodology, or how we ought to be sharing the gospel. And what I want to talk about is, is sort of the way in which we should be sharing it in the sense of with great love and compassion and i want to read for us mark chapter 6 verse 34 here's what it says when jesus landed and saw a large crowd he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd so he began teaching them many things right here's jesus he sees this crowd and he just has compassion on them because they're they're like they're like a, a flock here they're like sheep without a shepherd and when i think of that sheep without a shepherd That feels like it so readily describes our world these days, where you have people, and they sort of, they have no direction, no purpose, sort of the masses all around us, think of sort of our world, Western world, America, uh, no real direction, no real purpose, no real knowledge of, of, of real truth about God. And You know, what are they trying to follow? Maybe it's some person on Instagram, and they follow them, and maybe they're trying to Lead their life in that direction and follow that person's wisdom or it's some foolish person in Hollywood and they think that person has wisdom So let me try to follow what what they say is important in life And they're just sort of searching and directionless and, and have no knowledge of truth They're like sheep without a shepherd without any real leader or leadership, right? So when I think of our world, I think of it readily applying to what Jesus is saying here He sees these crowds these masses and they're like sheep without a shepherd and he has compassion on them And so what does he do? He starts teaching them truth And that should be sort of our response as we look at the world around us that that doesn't know about Christ. They don't understand that truth. Instead of just sort of wagging the finger at them and, oh, those wicked people. And they just run headfirst into every sort of sin and and start judging them. Well, there might be factual truth about the great sin in our world and so forth. Our response shouldn't be sort of this judgmental and and we drop our battle lines. It's us versus them. Rather, there should be a sense of, of just great compassion and love and just... I don't want that for them. I want the best for them, and what I want for them is to understand the truth about Christ, to come to saving faith in him, to receive forgiveness, salvation, everlasting life. And so, as we approach as we approach evangelism, I want us to be doing it in a way that's that's filled with compassion and love. It can be all too easy, I think, to maybe even just sort of be neutral and sterile toward whoever you're sharing the gospel with. Maybe it's some sort of coworker, they're just sort of an acquaintance. And in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I know, I know Jesus' command, I, I've got to share the gospel message, so here's an opportunity, I'll tell this person about Christ. But do you really care about the person? Do you care about them deeply? Or are you just sort of going through the motions of this is what Jesus tells me to do, so I should do it, right? We don't want to be going through the motions in that sterile way, or we don't want to have that judgmental attitude of we look at someone and they don't look like the Christian type, and they've got piercings everywhere you can imagine, and tattoos everywhere, and they're smoking, and this and that. And we start to think all sorts of judgmental thoughts and form all of those opinions. Rather, we should just come to the table with just a compassionate heart and love for them and say, you know. just I want the best for you, and the best for you is to understand this truth that I'm going to share with you about Christ and what he's done for you. And so in any and every situation, whether it's someone you know very well you're sharing the gospel with, whether it's someone you've just bumped into and sparked up a conversation, whatever the case, really, truly, deeply care about that person. Have a real sense of love for that person, care, concern for that person, compassion, and share in that way. And the truth is, if you share in a compassionate way, that that sense, that, that undertone of compassion will come through, that concern for that person. And even if they don't like what maybe you're saying, the content of it, even if they're sort of like, that's not for me. I don't, I don't believe that stuff, no thanks. If they perceive that you're compassionate in the way you're sharing it, they're going to be polite about it. They're going to be willing to hear you out all the more if they sense that you really care about them rather than if you're just sort of preaching at them and, oh, you're just one of those Christians just trying to, to win me over with your gospel and preaching to me and beating me over the head with the Bible. If they sense that love and compassion, they'll be all the more receptive to it and even polite even if they wind up not receiving the gospel message. And further, as I think of sort of how we should be sharing the gospel, not just with compassion and love, uh, another thing that should ca- certainly characterize our, our evangelistic efforts is that of prayer. We should be evangelizing in a way that is saturated from beginning to end with prayer. right? We have to recognize that fundamentally, I, I can't change that person's heart, whoever I might be witnessing to and sharing sharing Christ with. I can't change their heart. I can't make them have repentant faith in the Lord. That, that's God's work. As I recognize my weakness, my, my perhaps fear about how they might respond, my lack of courage or boldness. Again, as I think about my, my inability in regard to I can't change their heart. I can't make my evangelistic efforts fruitful. Only God can do that. And as I think of God's infinite power and ability, the natural response should be from beginning to end. This just has to be covered in prayer. It's not a work I can do on my own effort, my own strength. Right. That's sort of the American ways we think of ourselves as awfully self-sufficient and independent. And so we see a job. Oh, we got to tell people about Jesus. Let me just go about doing that in my own strength, in my own effort. And we ought not to expect great results if we're resting on ourselves and our own power to, to bring about the results because we cannot bring about those results. That's God's work. It's so our response should be to recognize this is God's work. We're, we're just a tool in his hands. He doesn't need us, yet he delights in using us in this process. And we should just come before him in prayer. We should be saturating our evangelistic efforts in prayer saying, God, give me the boldness to faithfully proclaim the gospel and give me compassion and give me love for that person so that it genuinely comes across that I care about them. Lord, put before me day after day opportunities to share the gospel with people. Put those opportunities before me in daily life to witness to others. Lord, just guide me and direct me in regard to what to say, when to say it. And Lord, Lord, just bring the fruit. I can't change this person's heart. I'd love to see them respond with repentant faith, but I can't, I can't do that work in their heart. But Lord, you can. And so bring about that change within them. From beginning to end, we need to be saturating, covering our evangelistic efforts in prayer. And I want to read a, a quote from Armin Geswine, And he writes here and he says, Prayer is the lifeline of New Testament evangelism. The oxygen for its holy fire. The New Testament was born in prayer. It knows no evangelism without prayer and no prayer which does not lead to evangelism. God has joined these two, God has joined these together in one piece and no man must separate them. Right? We think of the, the New Testament church, and as he says here, it, it, the New Testament church knows no evangelism without prayer. They just naturally go hand in hand. And, and we see that. It's so true throughout, throughout the scriptures, throughout the New Testament scriptures, as we look at the church there, the early church. But I want to even have us see this play out in the life of the church, not just take his word for it, but let's actually look at scripture. And we see it. I want us to turn to Acts chapter 4. We see here, we're going to read verses 15 through 31. I'll kind of set the context for us here because we kind of come into the story in the middle here. But what we're going to see, again, is that, that for the, the early church, that New Testament apostolic church, as they approached evangelism, never was it sort of with the mindset of, oh, I, I can do this, I can tackle this on my own, no problem, I don't need God, why come to him in prayer? But but again, the immediate response is, we got to come to the Lord in prayer about this. And so to set the context here, so Peter and John had, had gone to the temple... Uh, and they wound up, as they were there, there was a, a beggar who was there and he was lame. And so they wind up healing him. And then everyone's shocked. It's like, we know this guy. He's here begging all the time. And, and look at him. He's walking. And so Peter takes advantage of this opportunity and he just he just preaches. He just starts telling everyone about Christ. And of course, sort of the, the Jewish leaders, they're not taking kindly to all of this. We don't want to hear about all this Jesus stuff. So they wind up arresting Peter and John. They bring them before the Sanhedrin, the ruling council uh, of the Jewish people. And and so that's sort of where we now come in in our story. They're before the Sanhedrin. So it says, verse 15 here, chapter 4, verse 15 of Acts. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign. And we cannot deny it, right? Everybody knows it. They're saying everybody knows the great miracle that that they've worked. We can't deny it. So how how do we approach this? What, What are we to do? Verse 17, but to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Basically, we can't let this whole Jesus movement spread anymore. we got to stop this. This is bad stuff. But, I mean, we can't deny this wondrous miracle that was worked. But so here's what we got to do. we just got to tell them, you, you can't keep telling people about Jesus. That's their approach. So verse 18, then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. So they wind up releasing them, but with all sorts of threats, you better not tell anyone about Jesus. You can't keep doing this whole evangelization thing. You can't keep keep speaking about Jesus to the people. So what winds up being the response? On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. So immediately their response, they recognized, oh, this all, we know we're called to share the gospel with everyone. We're to go out and just proclaim this truth about Christ. But now we have these leaders saying, hey, if you dare to do that, there are going to be serious consequences. So so what's their immediate response? We, we just got to come before the Lord in prayer, right? So they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats... And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Right. So their immediate response is sort of, they're threatened in regard to evangelism. You better not do that or there are going to be consequences. They immediately run to the Lord in prayer and say, God... Right? We, we realize these threats against us but we know what you've called us to do we have to be faithful to it but uh, undoubtedly for many there's a sense of fear about it now recognizing these threats that, that these leaders have made and so Lord God as they say as, as they say here right stretch out your actually let me back up a verse now Lord consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness right they say God even in the face of these 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 great threats give us this wondrous boldness in proclaiming the truth about you the truth of the gospel we know it's what you've called us to do we see the threats that are against us if we if we dare to do this but we know we need to be faithful to you we cannot listen to these these religious leaders right they're going contrary to what you have commanded we know the truth about you we know we need to proclaim the truth of the gospel and they run to the lord and pray and say god just give us boldness that we might faithfully carry this out and then what's the result verse 31 after they prayed the place where they were meeting was shaken And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Right? They're filled with the Holy Spirit. God answers their prayer wondrously. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And what do they do? They go out and they'll proclaim the word of God boldly with great boldness. And so their immediate response in regard to evangelism was, we've got to pray about this stuff. This isn't something we're just going to do on our own, separate from God. No, we need to do this saturated in prayer. As they see this threat, this concern of theirs in regard to evangelism, they just run to the Lord in prayer and ask him to give them great boldness. And God answers that prayer wondrously, pours out the Holy Spirit upon them, and they wind up preaching the word of God, preaching the gospel, proclaiming it with great boldness and so as we seek to reach out to the lost with the truth of the gospel we need to follow their lead the, the lead of those in the early church and say hey we can't just do this on our own strength we got to do it as we talked about with great compassion with great love but we also have to do it prayerfully saturated in prayer from beginning to end not thinking this is just my work it all rests on me and, and my eloquence and my ability to win someone over no it rests entirely on god all I am is just a tool in His hands, and I just got to come before Him in prayer and ask Him to do His work, ask Him to, to to give me great boldness that I might carry out my role in it with great faithfulness as well. And so, again, to kind of come back to to, to our big picture, our big takeaway, I want us really to, in a sense, keep it simple. Again, I think so often we let all of the little details get in the way of, of well, you know, am I really skillful enough to, to get out there and start? telling people about Jesus. I'm not good in conversation. Uh, I don't have the right methods for how to steer a conversation towards spiritual things and share the gospel. Yes, I know it, but I know I'm just, I feel like I'm going to fumble over words and not explain it well and so forth and so on. We make all the excuses. We're fearful about how people will respond. We're fearful that we might risk a relationship that's important to us, right? We we sort of throw all that into the mix and we allow ourselves to to then have the response of saying, I'm just not going to do it. And I want us just to keep it simple and recognize we have been given this command From our lord and savior jesus christ we're to go out and reach people with the truth of the gospel We're to go and proclaim the truth we're to be witnesses for him everywhere we go and we need to just get out and do it period end of story if you understand the truth of the gospel and if you're a christian you do well then you're equipped to go and tell others about it and we need to just do it not get hung up over all of the details yes there's a place for for growing in skill and and, and an ability in doing this and growing in our evangelistic efforts Uh, But bottom line, we belong to the Lord. He's given us this great command. We're equipped to go out and tell others about it. And we just need to do it. And if we're going to think of just a few specifics of how we need to do it, let's remember we need to do it with great compassion and love. And we need to do it prayerfully. So let's do it. Let's not sit on the sidelines any longer. Right? We don't want to be just sitting on the benches saying, hey, one day I'll finally get there. I'll be skillful enough. I'll get out there and I'll start evangelizing when in reality with that mindset, that day will never come. Let's say, hey, even if I may not be a Billy Graham, an Apostle Paul, I know that I can still share the gospel. Let's get out there and start doing it for the Lord in service to him and the building up of his church, his kingdom, for his glory. Amen. And let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you have done for us. How you came, you died, you you took our place, our sin, our punishment, you paid for our sin and fall and all who turn toward you in repentant faith. Lord, we receive your atoning work. Our sins paid for, we're forgiven, we're saved, we have everlasting life. We're restored into a right relationship with you and have fellowship with you forever and ever and ever. What wondrous news that is. Lord And that is such wondrous news that we ought to just be in awe of that it should naturally just flow out of us, Lord. As we talked about, whatever fills the heart, that naturally comes out. May that be the case for us. May we just be so taken by you and what you've done for us that we can't keep it to ourselves, but it just sort of overflows. And everywhere we go, with great joy, we wind up just telling people everywhere all about you and what you have done for us, Lord. Give us that boldness, just as... The early church there in Jerusalem prayed for, Lord, even in the face of, of threats, Lord, they prayed for boldness and sharing the gospel. Give us that same boldness. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and give us that courage, that boldness that we need to overcome whatever those fears and anxieties and obstacles might be that we might just finally get out there and start doing it and telling people about you. And Lord, just work through it all, every bit of it, we can't bring the end results you're the one in control of that sovereign over that and we pray that you would just do your heart surgery lord your kingdom building work just stir hearts toward yourselves as we're just faithful in proclaiming the gospel message lead people to repentant faith and into your kingdom lord for your glory in christ's name we pray amen